Today we start a new series, as Pastor Steve said, on talks with Jesus. And what we're doing is looking at different people in the, the Bible who had encounters and talks with Jesus and see what it is that Jesus said to them, what we can learn from that. Jesus was a conversationalist. He had lots of conversations with people everywhere he went, right? Occasionally he'd speak to crowds, but as we look at scripture, most of the conversations he had were not in front of large groups. They were uh, small groups or one-on-one. And Jesus sat down and taught them. He spoke to them by the way. Jesus walked up to them and said, follow me. Or maybe he'd be stopping along the road and calling up to someone in a tree to come on down and he was going to their house for lunch. Uh, Think of the impact that Jesus had, speaking one-to-one and just a few times to big crowds. And think of that impact then that we also can have as we live our lives and talk to people each day. So Jesus turned those conversations into life-giving moments. As we're in this series, we're going to look at several of these conversations and Uh, ask for guidance, ask for insight, and ask God to show us what he would have for us as we see how Jesus spoke to people. Today we're in John 3, so please take your Bible and turn to John 3. This is the encounter of Nicodemus and Jesus, and we're going to start with verse 1 in John 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you that no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell from where it comes or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and Do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stand condemns already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who 
does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this portion of scripture. We thank you, Father, for the example of Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. And Lord, we pray that you just give us insight, give us wisdom as we study your word today. Holy Spirit, just uh, give us understanding of what this passage has for us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we're looking at this, the first thing we want to do is understand who was Nicodemus. And it tells us right away uh, at the beginning of this passage that he was a Pharisee. So the word Pharisee is derived from an Aramaic word that means separate or detached, or to separate, to, to detach. So obviously, there's something about this group of people that they're wanting to be separated out from the other people. And they were determined, the reason for this, initially it started out with a good thing. They were determined that they didn't want any kind of impurity that was listed in the Levitical law in their own lives. Now that's a good thing, except that then they took it beyond that. And so it became not just being avoiding that, but also their interpretation of the law and even more. And they considered themselves to be the most accurate interpreters of the law. And they had this body of traditional interpretations and applications. And they were communicated orally through generations and to people. And they also had this Mishnah, or second law, in addition to the scripture. And that was a list and a digest of Jewish traditions and the whole ritual law. And as the years went on more and more of these books, more and more of these digests of how to interpret the law and how to apply the law came to be written until there are so many books it would fill a room. And the bad thing with that is that they esteemed this far above the scripture. So here's a question for everyone today. What do you think of this? What's the problem with this way of thinking? What's the problem with thinking that the Mishnah has even more value than the word? Yeah. So what, how, how is that a problem for people? Yeah. We're going to maybe make some bad choices if our, uh, the thing we esteem more than the word of God is, is writings and applications of people. So the Pharisees, this is the problem that they ran into. They started out with a good thing, but then they got to the extreme and they went so far beyond what they should have. They were seeking God's favor on the basis of their human effort. And they became legalistic. And they were bitter and persistent enemies of Jesus Christ because he didn't preach that. He didn't say those kind of things. They didn't like his doctrines because he was saying it's not with what you're doing, it's with your heart. And they knew their hearts weren't right and so they didn't like what Jesus was saying and they sought to destroy his influence on people. But they weren't open to the truth. It was their way or no way. They were rigid and they held to their writings and interpretation of the law. So Nicodemus is part of this group. He's also, it tells us, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and this is most likely the Sanhedrin. 
And under Roman authority in the time of Jesus, they had the big uh, courts, but they allowed the Jewish people to have a Sanhedrin or a ruling council in each of the cities. And then in Jerusalem was kind of like the supreme court of those Jewish uh, councils. And that was the final court of appeal for matters of Jewish law and religion. So anything outside of that scope that had to do with Roman law had to be dealt with by Rome. But anything doing to do with the, the way of life that uh, the Jewish people had, anything with interpretation of the law or their religion, that was what they had the ruling council for. And Nicodemus is on that as well. So he's a powerful man. He probably had considerable wealth, most likely married with children. And uh, he comes to Jesus because he's got some questions so he's apparently not as rigid as some of his counterparts. He decides, you know what? This is intriguing. I want to know more. And so he goes to him. He meets with Jesus. And Jesus turns this encounter into a life-giving moment. And he speaks into Nicodemus's life. And there are principles that we can learn about speaking words of life into other people as well. So how do we turn our conversations into life-giving moments? Well, the first thing that we see is that we need to be open to divine interruptions, okay? We got to be willing to share at inopportune times. Not every conversation we're going to have is something that fits neatly into our schedules. And so Nicodemus, you know, he wanted to have this special conversation with Jesus. He didn't want to have other people around listening. And he wanted to talk freely. He wanted the opportunity to really, like, come to Jesus and find out what was on his heart to know. And he didn't want to do that during the day. And people might ask you questions about things having to do with eternal life at a time you're really busy. It might be when you're working and you think, I can't do this right now. Or it might be when you have a lot to do on your plate and you're thinking, oh, I've got to get home and I've got to do this. And you're in the middle of something really important and here before you, God lays this opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And what's so cool about that, this could be a moment that could help someone know about eternal life. Maybe it's moving them forward in that process of getting to know about Jesus and about the opportunity of accepting him. Or maybe it's just at the beginning and you have this opportunity to speak the very words of life to the people that you're encountering. And God involves us in that process. Henry Blackaby, in Experiencing God, says, we don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. So we need to be willing at inopportune times to join what God is doing in someone's life. We need to set aside the temporal for the eternal when it's clear from God that he's doing something in someone's heart. Henry also says, people don't ask questions about spiritual matters unless God is at work in their lives. When you see someone seeking God or asking questions about Christianity, you are witnessing God at work. That's so cool. We need to be open and allow God to show us people whose hearts are getting prepared by him. And Nicodemus came to Jesus at a time when he had questions he wanted answered. Jesus wasn't holding a nighttime session on eternal life. Uh, or a group chat on Facebook, or a daytime coffee meeting. This was at night. He had been ministering all day. He was probably needing to get away and get some rest. And he would have probably liked to have said, you know what, Nicodemus, uh, this is not a good time for me. What, let's, let's get something on the calendar. When, when can you meet? 
No, Jesus didn't say that. He was listening to the Father and doing the Father's will. John 5, 19 says, Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. See, Jesus is giving us an example of how he did ministry right there with what he says in John 5. He's saying, you know what? When I see the Father's doing something, I join with that. That's what I do. And if Jesus, our Savior, was listening to the Father and following what God was doing, don't you think we should too? I mean, Jesus was open for his schedules to be changed, to speak words of life into people's situations. When I was a ski instructor at a local ski area uh, a few years ago, there was a man there who I had an opportunity to share with. And I had just finished a shift. It was time for me to leave. Uh, I come into the room where all the instructors are, and here a few of them are sitting around talking about a movie, and the subject of death was heavy in the movie. And, and, and the guy said, and I'll call him Bill. That's not his name. Bill is sitting there saying, that, that movie really bothered me. I really didn't like it. It made me start thinking about death and, and about all the tragedies in the world and about, you know, like 9-11 and all this stuff. And I'm sure now, you know, he's, he would probably be mentioning Sunday's events if, if it were now. And he said, I, I don't know. What do you think about that? And they were all discussing, you know, what do you think about death and how do you be ready? And, you know, man, it could come any time. And the one woman goes, yeah, man, it really, you re- really could be any day. You, you just don't know. But none of them had any answers. And it was obvious to me that I needed to talk to Bill, but I thought I don't want all those other people around because I could tell those people were busy and they were just talking, but their hearts weren't heavy. God hadn't been working in their lives. And so I said one of those prayers, you know, really quick, deeply theological, Lord, please help those other people leave the room. And so about that time, they all got up and left. I went over to Bill and I said, Bill, I, I really appreciate, you know, that you're thinking about this. And um, in my life, I also had a time when I wondered about death too. And I, I wondered, how, you know, how would I know if I'd be ready? And I, I said, uh, Bill, I, I wondered where I would live eternity and what that meant for me. And I had some things happen in my life that really caught my attention. And I realized I needed to understand God and what his will was for me. And, and I prayed a prayer and I said, dear Lord, uh, thank you for dying on the cross for me and raising me from the dead. See, I'm telling him the prayer that I prayed. And I said, dear, and Bill, I said, you know, uh, I asked God to forgive my sins and I asked him to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And Bill said, oh, that's really cool. And, and I said, you know what? I got a card here because I used to carry a card like this. Jesus loves you. And on the back of scripture, I used to carry that in my ski bag and I looked in there and I couldn't find it. And I thought, man, where did that card go? I always have like two or three and I couldn't find one. And so I said, Bill, I can't find that card, but and, and Bill said, you know, I got to leave now. Are, are you leaving too? And I said, yep. So we walk out to the parking lot together. I said, Bill, next time, when are you here next? Bill said, oh, in about three days. I said, I'm here then too. I'll come and I'll find that card and I'll bring it to you. Well, it actually wasn't three days later that I saw Bill. I saw Bill a week later. And I had found many cards by then. And uh, I gave Bill a card and he sat down and he was like looking at it. And then he goes, and okay. I'm ready. And I said, 
what do you mean, Bill, you're ready? And he goes, yep, I'm ready. If I died, I'm ready. And I said, cool. And he said, you know, last week when we talked, I went home and I thought about what you had said. And I mean, the conversation was all of about five minutes, okay? And it was on our way to the car, and it wasn't necessarily a convenient time. But I could see God was working in his heart. And so he said, yeah, I went home and I thought about that. And those words that you said just burned in my heart. And until about three or four days later, I just had to pray. And I prayed that prayer that you said you had prayed, and I felt like I was ready. And I said, well, that's great, Bill. That's wonderful. He said, yeah, I just wanted the card to make sure I'd prayed the right prayer. (laughs) (laughs) So I have cards like this for you guys on the back table. Grab a couple. If we run out, I got like a whole box more. So grab a couple cards and use them. You never know at what inopportune time you might run into someone and you can see that God has been preparing their heart. God has been working in their life and you need the time to share with them and set aside whatever schedule you might have had. Because what's more important for eternity? And Nicodemus came to Jesus. And Jesus said, yep, this is an eternity moment. Nicodemus calls him rabbi, and that means teacher. So there's a term of respect there. But he doesn't understand yet exactly who Jesus is. He doesn't understand uh, that Jesus is his Savior and Lord. And so he starts out, and he comes to him, and he says, well, we know you're a teacher who's come from God. Okay, so he's given him that. You couldn't do these signs and miracles if God weren't with you. So he's at least seeing that God is doing something through Jesus, but he's, he's not really sure who Jesus is. He doesn't see that Jesus is the Son of God. And he's been listening to the messages, you can tell, because he, and he's heard the reports because he's come and knowing something about him. And the miracles have obviously made an impact on him. So he's wanting to know more. He's wanting to, to, to come and t- talk to Jesus about the things he's been pondering. And Jesus allows his plans, or whatever his schedule was for that evening, to be set aside, and he sits down with Nick for a discussion. So we need to allow our divine interruptions. And the second thing we need to do is we need to listen with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Listen with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. As we talk to people, we need to really hear what are they actually asking. There's the words they're saying, but ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that this person really is wanting to know? What is it that God is doing in their life and in their heart? And, and what that means is that there's no formula that works on everybody. It's not a template. Ka-ching, 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 ka-ching on everyone. The way you came to know Jesus Christ, the way I came to know Jesus Christ are totally different. Yes, we all received the good news, the message. We all made our decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But how we got there is unique to each one of us. And that's true with the people you would be talking to as well. So what that means is I can't come with like a set deal and think, now the cards I'm offering you to use, that's not like the set deal. That's not the new you know, way you're going to witness everybody necessarily. That's just a tool as you listen to what the Holy Spirit is showing you to say. And it's going to be different stuff at different times. God might like give you a little bit to say here, a little more over here. You never know. The Holy Spirit will show you. And so as people come prepared by the Holy Spirit for a discussion with us, 
we need to ask God to give us the spiritual eyes and see what's going on there and spiritual ears to hear what to say. In the book Questioning Evangelism, Randy Newman writes, listening might be the most useful tool we have in sharing the good news. Listening might be the most useful tool we have in sharing the good news. Not talking, but listening. And the reason for that, Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. See, Nicodemus, when he comes, he just makes the statement about why he's there. He hasn't even asked a question yet, and Jesus gives him a statement. He sees Nicodemus's heart. He knows what is the real issue that Nicodemus is dealing with. And so he says, well, here's the truth, Nicodemus. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. So for us here this morning, born again, it's not that, you know, we've heard that. We've grown up hearing that maybe, or we've been in church long enough, we've heard that term, born again. Uh, It doesn't sound abnormal to us, but this was like a new concept (laughs) to Nicodemus. He'd never heard that before. Being born again, it sounded confusing, it sounded interesting all at the same time. And so he says, well, how can a man be born again when he's old? How can you, I mean, really, how can he be go back in his mother's room and get born a second time? How in the world? So it was like interesting and engaging. And and he's thinking about the natural when Jesus is speaking about the spiritual. But Jesus saw that Nicodemus's heart was starting to open. And so he starts speaking to him about the condition of his heart. And notice how Jesus does this. He tells him a statement of truth that grabs his attention. And draws him in. Nick wants to know more. He becomes engaged in this conversation with Jesus about eternal life. Just from one sentence that Jesus says to him. The comparison of physical birth and spiritual birth helps Nicodemus to understand what Jesus is telling him. Jesus is saying, just like there's this physical birth when we're born physically... There needs to be this spiritual birth by the power of the Holy Spirit for us to be born again spiritually. And so, normally, when we're speaking to people, you know, we don't want to be using churchy words, right? Because most people aren't going to know what we're talking about if we just speak in that vernacular. And so we need to be careful because the truth is this. People who do not know Jesus Christ, who are not followers of him yet, Not only do they not understand the things necessarily that are spiritual, but they aren't living their lives by that standard either. And so when we come to them, we need to appeal on the basis of what God is doing in their life and and use the word of God, but present it in a way they can understand. Not by, by some big superior thing or not confrontationally, but lovingly. The world around us is longing for peace. They're longing for hope. I mean, you see that this week with what happened last Sunday night in Las Vegas. I mean, the world is crying for help and hope. And, and I don't know if you have heard anybody calling in on, on uh, chat lines or anything, but people are really wrecked by that. I mean, people are disturbed. There's a chaos and a, and a hopelessness going on in the world, and they don't understand it. There's not just the, the hurricanes, but now there's like, uh, you know, mass casualties. And because of that, 
We have opportunities as followers of Jesus Christ to be people of hope, to speak those words of life and help people understand how they can have the peace that they're so desperate for. If we're going to have life-giving conversations that will engage people in a discussion about eternal life, though, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit to hear what he's saying for us to say. So we say the right amount and the appropriate thing that people need to hear on how to know Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, Jesus is gently and respectfully talking to him, but bringing up things that he needs to hear. He says, you're Israel's teacher, and yet you do not understand these things. He's making him aware of something, but he's not doing it in a condemning way. He's not doing it in a way that makes Nicodemus get offended and leave. He's a teacher of the law, and Jesus knew that important to him because of who he was, that truth and the right answer was really important to him, that he valued having this. And when we live our lives in a way that honor and glorify God, and people are going to notice that. And so when they have questions about life and faith and trouble they're going through and they want someone to pray with them, they're going to think of us if we have been following God's word and if we speak to them with respect and gentleness, they'll come to us when we have God's love motivating us and then we have these opportunities to speak into their life and help them get drawn into eternal life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is challenging Nicodemus here in what we're looking at to understand things, not just on a natural level, but also on a spiritual level. And the Holy Spirit is working in Nicodemus's heart as Jesus continues to tell him what he wants to know. He says, well, how can this be? And so Jesus proceeds to tell him, how can this be? And the third thing we want to do when we're sharing with people, have the opportunities to let God interrupt our schedule and to listen with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and then share the simple truth of the gospel. Jesus says to him, you know, the message of this new birth, it's not complicated. <laughs> it's not with man's wisdom that we understand it, though it's with the wisdom of God. It's a spiritual thing as we come to him. And as we are communicating to people too, to people who are seeking God, we need to be aware of where they're at. What's the spiritual status? Where are they? What do they need to hear? Lord God, show us what is next. And Nicodemus, he's this intelligent, educated man. He knows the law backwards and forwards. And so Jesus appeals to him on that basis because he knows, he knows Moses, he knows the law. And he met Nicodemus right where he was at. He started the conversation where Nicodemus could understand. Now that conversation wouldn't have been the right conversation for the chapter after where Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman. But it was perfectly designed for Nicodemus at this time. Jesus says in verse 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
And he tells them, you know, God didn't send the son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through him. He's showing Nicodemus how to come to know Jesus Christ. How to know God. How to have that relationship with him. And as we share our faith with others too, it's, it's really about helping them on that process to get to know Jesus, isn't it? And not as, about us telling them a bunch of stuff that we know. We may know a lot. We probably all do. But what does God need them to know? Jesus didn't go back and tell them everything about the law. He used it as a starting point to then bring them to the point he needed to go to next. And what we hear through spiritual ears from the Holy Spirit, is what they're going to need to hear next. For God so loved the world. He loved you and me when we were sinners. He loves that friend of yours, that coworker of yours, as they're a sinful person. He loves us, the whole world, so much that he sent Jesus Christ to be uh, crucified on the cross for our sins and to be raised again. And God wants that relationship with us. He was willing to send his son to die, to endure suffering, to endure shame, so we could know him. And how much more do we have when we have that relationship with him? And don't we want that for everyone we know? Henry Blackaby said, God created you for a love relationship with him. He yearns for you to love him and respond to his immeasurable love for you. God's nature is perfect, holy, totally love. Nicodemus needed to hear that God loved him. He was part of a system that put the emphasis on behavior and not the heart. And the legalism of the Pharisees made people think that they had to earn their salvation. What a burden! It even says that in one of the times he's talking to them. He says, you put even a greater burden on your converts. That's not what it's all about. We want to behave in a way that brings honor and glory to God, but not because we have the burden of living that way to earn God's love. We do it out of a relationship with him that we love him and want to honor and glory, uh, glorify him. What earns us our salvation is what Jesus Christ did for us. We just receive it and then get to live it out. In today's world, there's so much chaos, so much negative. People are beat down by their situations, and they need to know about the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, about the love of God that is limitless, more than they ever need, and it can change the situation of their lives when they accept Jesus Christ. It can change it now and for eternity. And this passage ends with Jesus telling Nick the difference between those who love the light and live by the truth and those who love darkness. Now, we're not told what decision Nicodemus made then. In verse 22, the very next verse after that, it says, Jesus and the disciples went out into the Judean countryside. Okay, so we don't know what happened. And maybe the reason we aren't told what happened here is that when we share about the love of God with others, it doesn't always mean that they're ready to make a decision right then. Uh, there are multiple exposures needed to the gospel. Multiple times they need to hear about it before they're ready to make a decision for Jesus Christ. It's a freeing thought, though, isn't it? That we don't have to push them across that line. That's the Holy Spirit working in their lives. 
It's just our job to lovingly share the truth with them, lovingly share the good news of the gospel, just like Jesus did, and engage them in a conversation and leave the results up to God. So our responsibility is to be open to divine interruptions, to listen with the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and to share the simple truth of the gospel. But we cannot share the simple truth of the gospel if we don't have a heart of love for those around us who are lost. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 and 3 says, If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. The next time we see Nicodemus is in John 7. And the Pharisees there are sending out the temple guard and they say, go arrest Jesus. They're, they're done. They're so done with him. And they send out the temple guard to arrest Jesus. But they come back and they say, we, we couldn't do it. Have you heard his, his preaching? We, we couldn't arrest him. There's no way. And this causes no small issue with the chief priests and the Pharisees. They are not happy about this. But Nicodemus says that Jesus shouldn't be con- condemned or dismissed until they have heard him themselves. He's favorable toward Jesus, obviously. And then another time we see about Nicodemus is after Jesus' death on the cross in John 19, 38 and 39. It tells us that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus have come to take the body of Jesus and give him a burial in a tomb. And it tells us that Nicodemus brought 75 pounds of spices. That's kind of a lot of spices, hey? For use in preparing the body for burial. And these men are surely followers of Jesus to take such a risk even though they did it secretly. 75 pounds of spices, that's a lot of money too. There's a sacrificial giving here, and there's a risk of going to do this, to to give Jesus the proper burial. And why did Nicodemus do it? I think that he must have made that decision to follow Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. God so loved the world. It's... It's a ministry of love that we get to have with those around us, with the power of the Holy Spirit to love people that maybe even the world says are not lovable, to love everyone that God brings into our realm of influence, to show them the love of God and help them know how much God loves them. And the result is that one by one, through what you say and do, people will come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Please stand with me as we close. As you stand, I just ask you, just bow your heads and just think of all the people that you have a regular impact on, the, the people you see each day, and ask God, what can I do, Lord God, to reach those who don't know about your love? What can I do, Father? How many of you in your normal activities of the week 
have people that you come across that need to know Jesus Christ? Just raise your hand if you do. Thank you. So then the question is this. Jesus challenged us. He said, I'm sending you out into the world to preach the gospel, to share the good news. How many of you are willing to allow God to interrupt your schedule to help you hear the heart of those you are needing to minister to, to hear the Holy Spirit telling you what to say and to share the simple truth of the gospel? Because God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior won't perish but have eternal life. If you're willing to follow Jesus and his example to engage others in life-giving discussions, if you're willing to do that, you just raise your hand, make a commitment today. I'm willing to do that, Lord God. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you that when we look at Jesus Christ and what he did for us and the love that you showed for us, we want to show that love to others. Lord God, I thank you that Jesus said, the works that I do, you're going to do them too, and even greater. And so, Father, we receive that mantle of going out into the world. Lord, just like that opening video said, said, send us, send me. Lord God, send us to whatever realm of influence we have that we'd be open to allow you to, to show us, here's a hurting person, here's someone I'm working in their heart. And Lord God, that you'd use us to speak those words of life into their situation, that we'd be willing to let you use us to gently, lovingly help that person into a relationship with you, Lord God, through Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would take upon us that mantle from the Lord Jesus Christ of bringing the good news to the whole world and starting right where we're at, starting right where we are, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our families. Lord God, even at the ski hill, or the gas station, that we would be open, Lord God, for you to use us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Lord, we know you love the world so much. You don't want anyone to perish. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that same desire, that no one should perish, that everyone should come to know the love of God and be in that relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Use us this week. Lord, that next Sunday when we come back to church, we each have an example of how we got to say maybe just one sentence to encourage someone to know the Lord. Help us hear, Holy Spirit, what you are saying and speak words of life. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do through us. We've raised our hands. We want you to use us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.